Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weimerger and Harav Nissen. We are here looking forward to taking your question, our comments, anything along the mental health field. Of course, it should be family appropriate for the from world. That is a goal that we have with Siata Deshmaya to be able to help. We are going to start with our first caller, M- Mr. N. But before we go, the number to call in for those of you that would like to ask your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Mr. N., you're on with Mordechai and Rav Nissen. Hello? Mr. N. Hello, Mr. N. Hello. Okay. Hello. Yes, you're on there. Yes. Hello. Yep. Yes, you're on. Oh, how are you? Baruch Hashem. I'm sorry, my, my phone was on mute. Okay. So I was the one who we called you. a couple weeks ago, probably the second week of the summer. I called you to get some guidance and tools on how to make connections. Yeah, the colony. Yep. And yep. I want to thank you. I took your tools. Uh, as simple as, as it sounded over the phone, it was a little bit difficult to implement them. But I followed your guidance, and I was very, very successful. I want to thank you for that. So can you share with everyone what were some of the tools I recommended? In fact, I even remember your question very well, because I found it an important question and a way for parents to remember a little what kids go through. So many times I get people coming to my private practice or just calling up saying, why can't kids just listen to the, uh, to the parents? Or why don't you have children doing this and that? And sometimes we are adults for so many years that we forget what it's like to be a child. But when we get put into some of those situations like making friends, like this way we can begin to understand why sometimes kids are hesitant to go to school or if they're having a fight with some of the, with some of the schoolmates or classmates or someone from another place and therefore they don't want to go and they say, I never want to go back to the school again just to understand it. So I appreciate your question. You're an adult being in a bungalow county and saying that it's a new place or a new environment or you want to get to closer with some people and how do you do it? And that hesitation or that little fear I should use or that concern is something for us to recognize what children go through. Besides for the question that it was a great question, how do you connect, especially if it's adults, it's a bit harder. Great. And what was your, what were the tools that we suggested, that we discussed, that you used? And I'm curious to hear which part was difficult and how you were able to utilize it. So some of the tools was, one was to target um, people. Like instead of looking at a whole pool of people, target two or three people who to connect to. Yes. And another tool was to prepare a topic. Uh-huh. And another tool was to hang it out and stick into it as much as needed, not just to connect once and then leave, continue the process. Yeah. So these were basically the tools, and they worked. They worked very well. I made beautiful, good connections. Wow. Um, the difficult part was it was just um, the fear, as you said before, like fear of rejection. And That's a huge one. I, 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 I saw the fear in those people that I was connecting to. Even, even what, they had an issue. Yeah, and what way did you notice fear by them? 
just like uh, when you walk over and you say the Shalom Aleichem and you want to start a prepared discussion that I prepared. Yeah. And I could see the way they're like pulling back. I had to be like, I had to be persistent and let's say tough to stick in and hold on to it until they get it. Wow. Wow, beautiful. And how do you find it now that the summer is coming to an end? Right. So once we, once I did, I did that once or twice. We became both more at ease, and we started to develop a, like a deeper, deeper relationship that yeah. uh, I will probably take with me after the summer. Beautiful, beautiful. That is very, very powerful. Yes, and I thank you very much because I made such. I made a couple connections, about three or four real good connections. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for the feedback. It helps us and it helps so many of us that listen in to recognize it is possible and we do need to go out of our comfort zone and we do need to learn how to make connections. And at first it's hard, but afterwards it gets easier. Yeah, and one of the interesting points is the way that we, we rationalize things. Like, I used to think, before I was committed to start building these connections, I used to think that I don't need it, or these people are not for me, or they don't need it. Different rationalizations that is built on top of that fear. But once you break the fear, and, uh, I mean, there's no words to to explain what's really happening. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you. Yes. I'd like to ask you a question. Please go right ahead. I'd just like to announce for those that would like to know the number to call in to ask your question or comment is 718-683-5858, And go ahead. What is your question? Um, if you can help me out with the following. I have it even with myself and more with, more with the kids. Yeah. How do I deal with when there's a certain... It's a frontcard issue, but I know you don't like to talk about frontcard because you always say that's a rough department. Yes. But how do you deal with the emotional part of being different when it comes to a frontcard issue? For example, let's say 80% people have a smartphone. And we all know there are bonomer against it. Everybody knows it. Yep. Only for business, only for that, but we still see people in shul 10 o'clock at night with the smartphones. And I don't have one, but I feel different. I'm not part of the group, and um, it bothers me. So how do, how do I overcome this? And the First, same I thing I can see by my kids. Like if I want something that is different than the, than the, than the crowd, how do I build them up? not to have that emotional pain of feeling different. Yes. Let's first recognize the concept of what you're saying. And that's number... Harav Nissen, would you help us out over here as well? Yeah, uh, Mordechai, I really, really was uh, a little bit here, uh, you know, occupied. I wasn't yeah. into this. and We have some questions here that also ask me to, to ask you on the air. Yeah. So, okay, so I, I really, can you repeat the question or? Sure. His question was that he's made a lot of friends, but he is listening to the Rabbanim. It means he doesn't have a smartphone. Now, his friends, they're on chats or they're emailing, messaging, and all that's going on. He feels a little out of it. 
I think I think that uh, first of all, it's 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 a beautiful thing that is listen to the rabbanim, and uh, this is the most important things we know. And they, uh, as we know today, it's not it's not uh, it's very rare to find uh, young men that listen to the rabbanim, unfortunately. And I think this is a very very big point of few characteristic, and give you a tapping on the shoulder that you're doing it. I think that don't. As I say always uh, to myself, I always res- don't look at the, and other people. Try to do the best. What is wal- what is really according to the Adacha, according to the Torah, according to the, you feeling about it. You know, not going to look on. Oh, my friend has an iPhone six. This other one has a, a Galaxy, and this has a you know all this kind of meshugas uh, things. Don't look at this. Just look. Be honest with yourself and follow that Torah. Beautiful. And I would add on to that on, a, on that same way, and something that I, I also see a lot by Erhav Nissen, and I see it by the leaders. And what happens with a leader is that the leaders are the ones that set the stage. Means if you are part of the Chevra and you're Gishmak, and even if you're not that Gishmak, but you're part of a Chevra and you take a stance and you're happy and calm with it, there will come up, first, others will follow you, you will be respected, and then there will be another system on how to connect. It will definitely happen. The question is, when we do it, do we feel strong within, or do we feel that we're weak? That is where the power comes from. And I can tell you that I have that issue. I don't have a smartphone. I don't use, I don't have a phone on me. I go to work, I'm around, I don't have a cell phone, period. And it does make me different. And I am separated from a lot that happens. So I've come up with a certain balanced ground that whatever, the family has it, so if there's some message going around or something happening, so I just got invited to a Shever Brachas, and my wife told me, you know, you got invited to a Shever Brachas. There are, there are ways that you can discover how to do and what to do. I don't think we're going to be having a lot of people following my, my, my madness, I should say, of not having a cell phone. But I definitely find that life is so much more peaceful, calmer, happier for me since I'm not walking around with a cell phone. But I'm not getting crazy looks from people. I'm getting respect from people. I'm getting from people, I wish I could be without a cell phone in my business, or I wish I can disconnect. And that is yeah. the focus I'd like you to realize. If you are calm and happy with what you're doing, then you will find strength and peace in what with Siata Dishmaya. So the question is, how do you gain that calmness? Part of the, that's part of the issue. Like, logically, I know what I'm doing is right. And how do yep. I get that calm emotion? That mm-hmm. And even not in Yiddish, right? like, you don't have a cell phone because you can't, people would bother you all day and all night, but you get all these comments from people, we can't reach you, so you're a big shot, you're this, you're that. And how do you stay calm? That, my friend, is really therapy. <laughs> when I say that, it's when I say that it's about finding the inner peace in general. What you do. So the question: like, I don't How have can doubt you find in what peace? I'm doing? How can you feel? Yes, you do. If you would really feel at peace within yourself, you would be able to present it and be relaxed. Okay. Now, okay, I would ask so you, I what have, can you I put have to at look ease? Into it. What? 
So you're giving me homework here to look into it if I'm really... That's right. And what I'm telling you is to be aware that when you're calm, then you will find a change all over. Okay. And it's not okay. about so, people. So, mm-hmm. so, so that's about me. Now, when I give it over to my kids in areas where they really don't want it, and they probably they are not calm because they're 100% disagreeing with it, how do I build them up to, to have the confidence and the calmness? It's very easy, very, very easy. And the secret is when you are calm within it, your children will feel calm being different. And it's the same thing where someone can ask, how do I be calm about dominating for the Amit, or how do I get my kids to be calm with public speaking? And the answer is when you're really calm within, you'll just be able to teach it to your kids. So even, even if 90% of the people are different? Yes. In fact, if you look at the leaders, you will see that the leaders, and I'm going to use leaders not as only Rabbanim, not only, as, not only the Askanim. I'm talking about leaders that wherever it is, let leaders be in a block, let leaders be in a little couple of chevra, let leaders be in a business. They are the ones that are willing to go beyond the call of duty. They're willing to go out of the out of the limits of the box where people are looking. And in order to do that, there has to be an inner calmness. If we do something out of the box and we're nervous, it usually hurts us. So part of the being nervous is that I have people telling me, not not I'm just uh, people in shul, let's say we discuss something about the kids, that since 90% of the people give their kids XYZ, your kids are being abused because you're making them different than everybody. And the answer to that could be, which I would usually recommend, I appreciate, or you don't have to say I appreciate, I understand your view, but I have a different view. And so remember... My question is, what is the truth? Uh, <laughs> uh, let me ask you something. Well, I understand that you're living in, in a total Jewish neighborhood. So imagine yourself... Exactly. So, so okay, let's but take it to a certain level. I, 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 I want, I want to... I want to tell you something. Do you you feel confidence and you feel brave and proud to be a Jewish when you go in in in, in a different neighborhood? Imagine yourself now going to Paris with a pears and a pelt and 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 a beard. Are you feel proud or you feel a pressure that you you don't want to be a Jewish? You shave you you shave your beard and everything. The Jew, all the all idea of to be a Jewish people is to stand up to ourselves. We are minority of the minority of the world. And we stay Jewish. That's the idea. They don't look at other people. To be a Jewish is one to stand up and to stay. That's, that's the Derech HaChamim. My Rabbi, command me not to do this. I am doing it gladly. I wish so I had the courage. Out there. There's a concept out there, let's say, of a certain level in Yiddish. Let's say a certain level of Lavish. And people say, this was good for 50 years ago. The world has changed. And you got it. First, I don't, want to, let's get, let's, I, I don't want to address the Lavish because that's the very um, emotion, that's a halacha minhagim level. So let's try to keep that out. But let's look at it on a different level. Let's assume people do a certain way. It's never what we do ever that makes something a disorder or not. It's the way we do something. Well, let's, let's talk about food, it. a certain diet, let's say. That's right. 
So let's say 90% of the people eat a certain style, and there's 10% who are busy with the sugar and the naturals and this or that. You're not giving the nash to your kids. You're depriving them. They come to school. Everybody has the nash, and they're being looked down like people from 100 years ago. And you're building a resentment in them. This is called abuse. This is what I hear from people. My question is, how do I deal with this in a way that it should not be abuse? Well, first of all, we just made an assumption that it's called abuse. Why? It's you this raising is, this your This is what I get. I get this feedback. Uh-huh. Well, it depends who's giving the feedback. Maybe you should not be hanging around those people that give you those feedback. Okay. So now I'm getting different feedback. Right. And you might choose to oh. hang around different people. Okay. So what you're saying is, your feedback is that even if you do against the stream of 90%, your kids won't feel deprived. and If it is done healthy. I mean, if what it is, is done healthy, where you're looking at the kid's best interest, where the kid feels understood during the process, where you're explaining to the kid that, yes, other kids might be doing this or might be doing other stuff, but, and there's a, there's a balance. means means sometimes you give them this. Every time you need to put a kid to sleep, they're going to say, but the other kid's up later. It's about how we do it rather than what we do. That's where the abuse, mm-hmm. where that comes in. All right. Thank you for your question and comments. I appreciate it. I think it's a very hot topic, and it's about that inner calmness and about hanging around people that think like you, so people that are eating, let's say, healthier foods, hang around those that are healthier. People that are thinking... I want to... Yeah, I want to say I want to thank you again for that um, connection uh, tool that you gave me. It was amazing, Mm -hmm. and I really, really appreciate it. Great. Thank you. Harv Nissen, who do we have next on the line? Mrs. G.R. Mrs. G.R., you're on with Mordechai and Harv Nissen. And thank you for holding a while, actually. Um, this is D.R. Okay, Mrs. D.R., you're on. Okay, I'm a young Almana. Um, I have two girls that are away for the summer in camp. So um, I've been going away many Shabbosim to siblings who live out of town. And my problem is I am terrified. I've been having a very hard time being a passenger in a car. Um, You know, I've been on a highway and traveling to family for weekends, and it's just getting worse. I'm very, very afraid if if I'm in the car and we're, like, right next to a bus, I, like, I almost want to, like, grab the driver's hand. I'm, I'm just a terrible passenger in a car. My daughter, who's 17, when she comes back at the end of the summer, she wants to take driving lessons. I, I just, I really don't know how to deal with this fear. Okay. Well, I'd like us, I'd like you to first recognize, and for everyone listening, that first, you know, you've gone through a trauma, and it's very sad, you know, to be a young almana. And to make matters worse, which is one of the downsides that almanas go through, and, and families where they, lose a, where they lose a parent, even if someone is an almana and they don't have their wife, for them to make the sudas is very difficult. And one of the downsides that people aren't even aware of is just a simple Shabbos, just a simple davening, where will the boys go to shul, where will the girls go to shul, to make right. Kiddush, 
Many, you know, many houses where the wives are, the halachically, I'm pretty sure the wives are allowed to make Kiddush, and then they start making the suit at home. But, you know, they, they get stuck. They feel like the house isn't complete. I've had someone tell me recently that they had a, that they had a parent. It was a yard site of a father, and they said, you know, my father wasn't the confident one like all my other uncles. And it always bothered them like he wasn't confident or wasn't as outspoken. But this person told me, but you know, now that the father's nifter a couple of years, just having that father at the table, the father they can speak to, to them, they had a father, and now they lost that. You only appreciate that, unfortunately, once the person's missing, you realize, so he wasn't as outspoken, but there's so many other places that they were. And I guess for everyone listening to recognize that, unfortunately, if there's a family member that we have that's either divorced or they're an almana, just to be aware that just invite them for a meal. Hi, how are you doing? And just to make things easier. Not always do you want to, like, be the schnorr and call up, can I come to you for Shabbos? Like, please, like, for everyone listening, just offer it. There might be someone on your block. Just offer to take the kids to shul. Call them up. Get them a little prize so they'll feel comfortable. No one wants to be the Rachmanis. Oh, it's so nice. Uh, please, do you want to come to Avnar Shul? No, we don't want to. But if you connect them once or twice, come over, have a suda. Then you get them a little gift or two. Everyone, even if they're 17 and 18 years old, appreciate a gift. They'll feel comfortable to join with you. In fact, I've had one beautiful story along those lines where I had a client, and we had to imagine sort of a little safe and loving environment. And he told me there was a certain family that he felt very safe with. I asked him what made it so safe. He said, well, the father would bench the kids just before, just before Kiddush, Friday night, the Berchus Avais, and... He says he would include me. He, I'd be like right in between whichever kid was there. I would just get a bracha. I really felt part of the family. Right. So now we got that little separate, um, separate concept. Also, the number to call in, for those of you that would like to ask your question or comment, is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And now to go to your question. What I'd like you to recognize that can happen sometimes is, that you might have, let's say, a certain fear, or let's just make an assumption now, we're just assuming that maybe because of your family member, because your husband was nifter, you might have, let's say, lost a certain security or a certain confidence that you had. And what happens at that point is that safety net, that when someone feels safe, they feel safe all over, and when they don't feel safe, they don't feel safe all over, what can right. happen is that it can, we can start seeing it in other areas, like driving. So we've just finished this workshop called Anxiety to Serenity Workshop, and it's about identifying that when we're stressed, it's never the issue about driving. It's never the issue with the anxieties going on. And what we learn in that workshop is how to start identifying the issue ahead of time. It means what were you thinking the second before you started being afraid of driving the car? or the accident might happen. Right. So if I would ask you, when you're going in that car, and yeah. I don't know if you'd like to share, it might be too personal, but what are some of those fears that are going through your head? I'm, I'm, not I'm very afraid when I go into the car that uh, I'm killed in an accident. My children won't have any parents. There you go. And that's the underlying fear. The underlying fear is now that there's a safety for your children, that if you're the only parent, then what's left? That's I, that's that's how I feel. I feel like that when I walk on the ice. If I fall and I'm out of commission, 
who's going to work? I mean, who's going to work? Who's going to bring in the money? When I'm in the car, I feel if, you know, if I'm not comfortable and I feel we're getting close to crashing with someone, that my two daughters won't have, they won't have a mother or a father. Yeah, that's right. That is a real, real fear. That is a real fear. And that fear is when we can start healing that inner core, not looking at the anxiety of just focusing on the driving, but to focus on the inner fear, that my inner fear is that there is no safety for my children right now. And that is workable. We can start working on either on a cognitive level, who, who are people out there that you can start setting up to Shalom help out and take over if Shalom something happens to you. Once the mind knows my kids are safe, then you can start letting go. So right now your brain is hypervigilant. Uh, something might happen to me. And that is hurting. That's hurting you. Yeah, it's very, very, especially now in the summer, I'm going away, you know, for Moshe Basim to siblings where I do feel the most comfortable by my siblings who don't live out of New York. And I've been impossible with driving. I, I, I don't drive, and my siblings are getting me rides. And I, I feel like I always have something. The driver wasn't careful. They went too fast. I'm just maybe not being realistic, but the fear, it's just terrible anxiety. Just, you know, like I feel, you know, he, he made a short turn, and I'm always thinking of my poor girls. What if in camp they find out that I was, I was yeah. killed? So, again, notice what your fear is. Your fear is, again, safety for your children. And in therapy, what I would go, what I would focus on, is finding the inner peace and safety that if you're not on this world, how can your kids be safe? I'll share with you a similar concept. There is someone that I knew for many, many, many years ago, lost his father when he was about four or five years old, and he never felt safe. And he went to a therapist. It happens not to have been me. And he was sharing with me how the therapist suggested that maybe he go to his father's old friends and just, like, start getting some stories about his father. And this way he can connect to his father. And he got about ten stories And just by hearing about his father, and some of those stories were, wow, your father was someone that was there that always had my back, and I'm sure he's watching you from Shemayim. Just hearing it and hearing different stories about his father would protect this or go out of the way, it gave his emotions the feeling, the safety, as if he somehow reconnected to his father and was able to connect feeling it emotionally. And then a lot of things just changed. Mm -hmm. So what I'd like you to recognize is, let's say, if you were my client, the inner work that we would do is what will let you feel safe, even if you're not on this world, well, how do you know your children, or what can we set up either logically or emotionally, and what are some systems we could put in there that your children will be safe. Once you have that feeling, now you can start living. Now you can start making mistakes. Now you can start driving. And just one other point for you to be aware of, it might be possible that you might have had some issues of safety before this happened with your husband, before your husband was nifter. I know I did. And now it just exacerbated once he was nifter. I know I I definitely did because um, we're a very young couple, and my husband was born with a defect, and I took care of him for most of our marriage. And, you know, it's... I I lived with a lot of anxiety for almost 23 years because it was a very big responsibility, you know, 
though I wouldn't trade it for anything else, just going for a walk with him, he was very prone to falling. And when I walk, I'm so careful about cracks because I would always tell him there's a crack, pick up your foot. I mean, it's a lot of anxiety when you're a caregiver, you know, for a spouse that's not been well from mostly the beginning. Yes. I'd like you to know they have support groups, by the way. They are, there's a beautiful organization. Um, uh, I forgot now what it's called, but I'm sure our listeners will be able to send it in as a message for Almanus. And I'm not sure if it's Besimcha, I think, uh, something along those lines. And you can just speak. They have support groups. They have sometimes a Shabbaton. But it's really, there's a little Dvartire that comes out. They send something every hour of Shabbos. It's an amazing organization. And this way you don't feel alone. You're not the only one that feels all of a sudden, who do I get to? What do I do? Unfortunately, it's very common tragedies all the time. We hear tragedies all the time, right. and uh-huh. there are young us, and there is a support, and, and the strength that you have from someone is very powerful. Yeah, I really thank you, because whenever I listen to your answers, it always it helps, it helps me really out a lot. I really appreciate yeah. you, you know, taking my phone call. You're welcome. Okay, thank the you. The number to call in, yep, is 718-683-5858, 718 um, okay, we have a Mrs. G right now. G, you're on the phone with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hi, Mordechai. How are you? Thank you for your program. You're welcome. I enjoy it a lot in regards to the first caller that has called in. Yes. I want to challenge the thought. Yes. If the answer you gave is so that you can pass it on. I listened to the answer. Why are there so many um, OTDs and people going around with resentment and... Harav Nissen, you take this one, ...in themselves much unhappiness with what they were abandoned as a child. Harav Nissen, what do you say to this one? I, again... I want to challenge the concept. I'll tell you the if question. You the can first pass it on. Said, yeah. Oh, by the way, we've just got the message. Thank you for the person that has texted it in. That's what they... The, <laughs> yes, Nissen, the organization for Almanus is called Samchenu. Samchenu is an Almanus support group. So, Samchenu, so please call up, find out about them, and they'll reach out, and there are support groups. They speak. They hook you up to someone to speak to. Uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot out there. So, Nissen, this is a good one to go deal with. And it goes as follows. What her question is, she's challenging the first caller that's, that, let's say, the husband, he does something like not giving the kids sugar. Everyone's doing to this person that, let's say, doesn't want to have the smartphone. What this woman is challenging is, but if you don't give the kids certain stuff, then we have all that off the derech levels. That's not my question. I'm asking, oh. why are we having so many people? They say there are so many OTDs and children going around with resentments and all kinds of stuff because of the abandons that they went through. So let me, let so, me then address it in a different has way. has nothing with our husband. It's a general question. Do you know? Okay, good. Do you know how people are given everything? They are spoiled rotten. They're given everything. And if you think they are happier, they are more pressed, angrier, and less you know, 
than anyone else. Why is that? So, how many? Well, I'm not a professional. You are. How many? Yeah, I deal with that all the time. That's right. Statistic-wise, you have more kids who had everything, or kids who were abandoned. I will let. Let's rephrase that. The kids that have everything are still abandoned. They have been trying to be bought off with money, and not love. True. That's still abandonment. Right. So the Maybe answer so what are you when the kids to are going off the derech, every kid that goes off the derech, I shouldn't say every, almost all of them will say, "Give me a little bit of love, a little bit connection to my parents, understanding from my parents." And I can go uh-huh. through it, and I can deal with it. It's the understanding right. that they're not getting. So not you believe that, is. you believe, based on what you're telling me, what I hear is that even if 2% of the community does it, that the child gets the connection and the love, they should be able to pass it on and move on. Let's, um, if you could I, say I again, disagree. I disagree. Okay. Wait, it's just a thing as society, and even adults like to go with the flow. Okay. <laughs> you know, the question like this, how you raise you, how you raise you, what your decision of ra- raising? First of all, I didn't like the word abuse from this uh, gentleman in the beginning, that what kind of this nonsense is, if somebody doesn't give to his children what they think is right in the fashion today, so is is abuse his children or is neglecting them? This is unbel- this is ridiculous. I think this the word abuse is when you give to your children is what what they want and what the society pushing you to give them. Because I we see the kids in the street. I don't know. Mordechai definitely yeah, see that. The and word abuse is being abused a lot today. I agree with you. Okay, so it's not a matter. When my son come from the universe, from, from the yeshiva, and he was very, he was quite down, and he told me, Abba, and I don't have Gucci, Muchi shirt, you know, and if it's alcohol, it's usually it's just white shirt. And I told him, you know what? I'm going to write you on the on the shirts OFL of Vadia Lazari fashion. It's your fashion. It's not because I don't have the I wouldn't buy this Gucci Muchi because I don't believe it in the right way. Because when a parents believe and they give the, to the, the kids the MS and the MET and things, the kids follow it and going. And I want to tell you stories about the story that uh, famous, famous stories about Avraham uh, Volozhin, about the Nazif, about Tulevesic dynasty. The Nazif was very, very wealthy person. He was rich, rich, and suddenly he lost everything. And they make a best deal to check what what happened to him. He gave Masot, he gave more than Masot, and they can, can conclude that he gave more than he needed. Avraham Volozhin said it's not impossible. When he saw his children and grandchildren, he said, this is the answer. From a poor people will come the Torah. It's not something that you give him, you give him, you give him, you get, you get a smart voice. Believe me, most of the doctor, most of the professor, most of the huge people didn't come from a fels- for, for rich people. It's true, but we're focusing on two different points. My question is, if 98% of society... It 98, 99% of the society are Christian and Muslims. Are you going to be Christian and Muslims? 
No, if 90% of society drives a Mercedes, are you going to drive a station wagon? If you don't have money, yes. Yeah, you will? Yes, yes, I will a bicycle. And I did it. It's not a matter of money. It's because you grew up in a different way of things. I know. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I'm not so sure. I'm sure so. I could tell you, Harav Nissen does dress different than 90% of the way the people are are walking around. He's going with long crossel de gapeus, and yet he goes around with working clothing. Amazing. Which is is very different. All right. All kinds of people, I guess. My opinion. Right. So now what's needed over here is balance. How do you balance with what you can afford and what you can't afford? How do you balance with what society is doing, but also being an individual? These are the famous words that we have of as the famous. Every singer has got a song out of these words. And Ainanili Mili, if I have myself, if I can't be an individual, who am I? What am I? But at the same time, Kshani asks me, if I'm alone, if I'm an individual and I don't do anything that, so- that, that society does, what am I? We see the balance is needed. I want to add something about it. You know, yeah. maybe I'm a little bit loud today, but uh, I'm just saying that it's very important to us, for our children, to give this, you know, because what we are, we are teaching our kids, our teach, uh, children to follow the klal, to follow this. This is wrong. We have to f- teach our kids to follow the emet. And if the emet is, you know, if if the lady said if 99% driving a Mercedes or as as another kind of fashion, I'm telling you, 99% of our unfortunately are not dressed sanua. It's meaning that I will teach my kids to go non sanua today. I'm telling you, I don't think I don't accept this. I don't accept this. This is not our belief. The Jewish people always the Jewish. The Jewish people always follow the rabbis, follow the halacha, you know, and this is why we have a lot of of the derech, because we parents transmit to our kids the wrong impression. Oh, our neighbor is sub-zero, so I want sub-zero. The neighbor is Range Rover, and I want to... I tell you, yesterday I, I heard a story, and I spoke about it in the radio. A husband come to his... Uh, and it's true story. He come to his wife and say, "Honey, what do you prefer, Range Rover or Yeshiva for the girl, for the for the boys?" And Annie decided because ninety percent of the society going with Range Rover, so decided that her children will be in a public, and she wants a Range Rover. This is our way to do it. No, sorry. Yep. I'm Just listening. Like to I'm listening. What to be aware? What's the awareness you can create? It's, hold on, let's just get the number to call in. It's 718-683-5858, One thing I would like to validate what this woman is saying is that if we are always going against the grain, and let's say our children have a difficulty with it, and we don't give them the reinforcement, we can't speak to them about it, it can hurt them very strong. It, they can't have damage from that. So that's something we do need to be aware of. We might be do the right step, but you still have to balance the right step to make that they can handle it. And you might have five or six children, and five children appreciate it, but one kid doesn't. And all we need is that one of our children to go of the derech or to feel that strong resentment. 
And it's almost like we'll feel the pain in life can be so difficult after that. But doesn't mean we need to change our style for that one child. It means we need to change our style of speaking for, to that child, for that child to understand why we're doing certain steps. Not to be afraid, not to be afraid to do what we're doing, but to change our style in explaining it. We are going to go to Mr. B. Aravnissen, Mr. B on line. Hello? Yes, uh, we, we have Mr. B. Mr. B. Hello? Yes. Yeah, am I on? Yes, you thank are you on. For taking my, thank you for taking my call. Um, on this topic, actually, I did like what you answered and Rabbi Nissim answered. I think it was on. It's called peer pressure. Um, my question is, what is if a child tells you that it's not fair that I have a lot of friends who do go to and we don't go. How do you deal with such a thing? Harvissa, what would you say to that? That uh, oh, uh, it's not fair that our, what, what, again, yeah. again, just... Uh, that this child feels that, that it's not fair that a lot of my friends do go and we don't go. And the reason could be a few reasons. Yes. One of the reasons is... It's finance. The finance, right? Yeah. So uh, and sometimes it's not appropriate, and you know, you know I tell you, that's it's happened to me a lot. I tell you the truth, it's happened to me a lot as a parent. And uh, first of all, uh, when you have few kids, each kid has di dif different kind set of mind, and these kids want to go to another place. And then the, we we had a, at sometimes a cholam word that uh, I said we staying home because they didn't decide where to go. This first of all. And uh, we, we have to understand that as a parents, we have the guideline. Kids, one thing that's very important to understand the kid's life, kids prefer a parent that knows what they're doing. Kids don't like to be with parents that, what you call it, you know, is going there, there, you know, here and there. It's not my going... Question is, my question is, yes. is it healthy for children to know... Yes. Or, or are they allowed to know that financial difficulty? Yes, definitely, definitely. What? Well, how are you giving it a responsibility then their life? You don't. You don't put a pressure very, very strong. You know, yeah, you don't so everything. There you go. You don't tell them. Oh, hey, this money. You know, I'm short, and they don't don't make the pressure on them that you you that. But you you feel them. Listen, right now, my situation are not so great finance. Probably I just so we can just pass this uh, trip. And go to another day. I'll give you something else. We can, you know, can go to a, a cheaper places. You know, maybe we'll do it a different time. But definitely, don't put a pressure. You know that that the kids will feel that all the burden is on shoulder. And what we can do tomorrow morning, we don't have us. That's unfortunately it's happened in some families. You know, but I I be, I believe that parents has to talk with the kids very open and very direct. And tell them it depends also on the age. You definitely, 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 and you know, seven years old cannot understand this. Ages that understand, not a five, six. Let's old. also understand it's an amazing concept that we want to be able to share our children. And I heard this from someone told me from one of the parenting workshops, and I loved that idea. And it said a lot. And the idea is that if we ever need something, we have all the money in the world. It means Hasvashalm, if a child is sick, we will raise every dollar and every penny that's needed to do whatever it is to get the child healthy. 
And therefore, we want our children to all feel we are financially wealthy. And emotionally and spiritually, we're very wealthy. We have each child is worth over a billion dollars plus. Now, financially, we, need, we teach them how to budget. We have money for certain stuff. A Baksha, we have a beautiful apartment. Or we want to have more food for Yantiv. Or we want to sit in Kailo. So therefore, or, or to learn more hours and work less time. So we're, we're wealthier in other areas. Focus where you are wealthy at. And the concept is we can afford anything that we want. We're choosing to budget how and what we want to afford. So look at your schar, that we are going to be, I'm sitting and learning more. Or look at that you have a tati that's doing that. Look at your schar, that I'm choosing to be home. You get to see me go to a shir. Many of those parents that have all that money, they're going places. The fathers are busy working all day and all night. And we focus on what we are giving. So we might not be going to the bungalow colony. We might not be going away for sukkahs. But you know what we are doing? We will do a holiday trip with everyone together. I have an Ertus stroll in America. I haven't seen it that much, but in Ertus stroll, there are many fathers, parents, that they have a focus. They do not leave the sukkah. They stay in the sukkah the entire time. And I've heard sometimes kids complain to the father, it's not right. This is a time we're all together and you don't leave the sukkah? And to that, the father's response was, the schus of sitting in the sukkah, of not leaving, and it's brought down halacha, it's brought down all the svarim, the, the kaychas that you get, looks like it's huge. But let's understand what he's saying, but I'll take you other times. So when there's a benazmanim trip, or before or after, that's when I'll take you somewhere. You work it out with them. So understand, saying we don't have money is the same way when we are saying a balance. It's not we don't have money. We have all the money needed. We're choosing not to do it this way, to do it in a healthier way. Thank you. Very well said. You're welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. And the same is again with Hashkafa. The same is again when we do something from her. Yes, the world doesn't do that, but look at the benefits what we do have because we, we have a close family. Everyone is loving. We can enjoy ourselves. We can be up till 3, 4 in the morning and we can sing all together. Look, you focus on what we do do, not what we don't do. And in, and in reality, everyone needs to view ourselves as if we are extremely wealthy, because if we need money for a tragedy or something, I guarantee you, you will find it. Right. Okay, okay thank we you. We are going to go to Mrs. R. Thank you very much. Mrs. R, you're on the air with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Miss R. Yes, oh, Miss R. Hi, yes. Miss R. Um, he started in seminary, and then I was away in the summer for a test. And now I'm home for good. And anytime I think about what I'm doing next year, like college and work, I just got so scared. Like, I, do not, I don't want to move on. And I just want to go back to high school and go back to where I just draw or where I was first at. How can I make it more enjoyable to be home? First step is, could you recognize your normal? I'm actually going through a very, very similar stuff right now. I'm doing some major, major, major changes in my life in several different areas. And more than once, I've had the thought, let me just drop all these plans. Just go back. The old system just worked. In fact, I've even once woken up with an anxiety attack. The first time I would say I experienced something like that was about three weeks ago. I got up at like four in the morning. All of a sudden, like my, I had the thought. My, I started noticing my heart beating. And I go, wow, isn't it interesting, this thought? And I couldn't fall asleep. But I did have the tools how to do it, and I was able to use the tools. Okay, so what's happening? That's it. That's the fear. That's the stress. 
Do I really want to go back? What are some safety systems I could step in? What are some things that I'm not looking at to make it safe? That, and once I went through the process, I just calmed down. Now, Baruch Hashem, still going through the process and very confident. There's still doubts. But anyone that goes through the new beginning stage, it is normal. This is now the beginning of an entirely new stage. You're not being any more a student. You're not being any more that, that little girl. This is now the next step for marriage, Merit Hashem, to be an adult, to make decisions. You're leaving the support system where you have your parents guiding you, where you know the structure, there are tests, there are exams, you have friends, and now you're going to start, let's say if you go to college, be in classes, different professors, have a job, starting to juggle several stuff, it's an entirely new world. But one thing I could tell you is, once you're in it for about three, four months, you'll find that it's pretty simple. Once you go to the next level, you never want to go back. Unless, unfortunately, you're not doing it well, you're having some difficulties, and you're not learning how to navigate the new water. But other than that, recognize that once you go up to a new level, you never want to go back. You don't. It's okay to do now to make it to that next level. And, like, so there are several, reasons, several steps. It's really got to be within you, which means take out a paper, identify what are your fears. Your fears are you don't know how your day will go. Your fears are you don't know if you're going to college, who's going with you. You don't know what job you're going to have. You don't know if you're going to like that job that you have. You might have to make three, four decisions. You might have friends going to one place, but you've got a better opportunity in another. I would find out first, what are your fears? What are your concerns? Make a list of them, step one. Step two is then to start looking, what can I do to give myself the security and what can I look forward in this future? The future is Merit Hashem, you will be married. The future is you will be able to help support your spouse. The, the, the future is Merit Hashem, you'll be able to have, if let's say you're, you're going to college to learn to work, you, if let's say you're going for anything in the healing fields of OTPT, whatever it should be, special ed, you're helping people. If the field is at Merit Hashem, now you're going to learn to be solid on your own. So while you're afraid, but now you're learning how to be a wife. This is all preparation to being a wife when you get married. Now look at that power that when you marry Hashem get married and your husband wants something and he wants an opinion, you won't just be going, yeah, I agree with you. You'll be able to actually say, you know something, I hear why you're saying yes. Let's discuss the other options. Let's discuss some more options. Right. Makes sense? So what I like is, besides for identifying what the issues are, A, B, start coming up with solutions, C, prepare, create that image in the future. Prepare what you can see are the benefits. So I'm just like thinking, like one thing I'm like the top of the list is I'm thinking about jobs. Like I'm worried about like if I'm going to be good at it. Ah, that's the perfectionist issue. So far you hit chapter three and now you're going to chapter one of the book. Alive, a 10-step guide to a vibrant life. Oh, I have your book. <laughs> yeah, so you're hitting those. You're hitting the question about the chapter about make new beginnings. Now you're hitting the ones about perfectionists versus making mistake. You've got to get the good job. Will you do well? Right. Yeah, I should read the book again. <laughs> yeah, just, just look at those chapters. Okay, fine. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so just realize, also, all these fears are, you haven't started yet. All the potential's there. You just finished camp, you just finished seminary, and now everything is blank. 
One of the steps of the chapters over there is just the penny double theory, the one step at a time. Can you give yourself, and I would even ask if you can call up this program at, let's say you'll start the whole process school in September, October. Just call, that's with Yom Tov there. Let's even say November, three months in. Can you just call back and share feedback for everyone listening? Because it's the most common, normal field. Feeling, fear. Yeah, I called you, um, I called you last year when I was in seminary. Um, yeah. like around seven time, and I wanted to call back, but it was always didn't go, didn't work with the RG child times. Yes. Um, I would call you about the same type of thing that I hated seminary. Yes. And you just told me to give it time, and I did, and I loved it. <laughs> That's right. So recognize it's the same issue that's coming up over and over again, and it's normal every time you do something. Right. Great. Thank you so much. You answer all the questions because it's really normal. You know, everyone that every time that you're doing a new steps, it's just and it's scary. It's uh, you say anxiety. Something. What will be the f- um, before you know before I'm starting a new job, a new project. It's like, are we started? Are we doing it? And then you start it in, and you start swimming, and you have the current, and you start, you, you swim against the current, and you sometimes it's easy current, and sometimes it go flow and together, and sometimes it's a little, but this is all, all about life. It's all about life. It's, you know, trying to find a, a, a new direction, and you love it. You know, I believe that when you go to roller coasters, and you go up, up, it's calm down, and then you drop down, and, and your, your kishke is going up. But this is, this is the part of, uh, you know, challenging uh, a, new, a new opening, a new startup, a new experience. Yeah. Exactly. Right. You, um, so good luck. Can I question about the same thing? Go, say that again? Yeah, you think it's a lack of vitachon, like that I can't calm myself down sometimes? I would like, whenever we ask that question, to go to a Rav. We've addressed this so many times. And I just like, just a little bit I like saying about this is that if Chas Shalom, someone tells you, either be from or drop Yiddishkeit, or they'll kill you, what will you choose? Um, Yiddishkeit. <laughs> exactly. So let's recognize you have the Munam Betachan. It's already very, very long established. We have the Munam. It's already a long time established that people that have anxiety are from great, great, wonderful people. And it's not an Amuna question. Sometimes they want to start going into it saying it's a Betachan about feeling it in our heart. That's very possible. But it's also possible that just like there's a broken leg and you can have Amuna from all day, but it's not going to heal the leg. We need to do that doctor level that will heal it. Yes, there are tzaddikim that can do amoifas, that can do some special kaychas, shalei But your concern of going through the process, mastering the beginning stages and the unknown just before, I don't want to call it anxiety, but the information on how you deal with it is similar to what I share, let's say, on the anxiety workshop about knowing it's normal creating a support system that when you do something no, like something new, that you can have a friend and call up and just share the doubt, or even calling this line and saying, you know, we have this issue, how do I get over it? And just to know it's normal and just give it to three months and then see how much you're, you're enjoying it. And the same thing, when you get engaged, you'll be, oh, I'm engaged, I'm so happy, but then I'm nervous. Is it normal? Maybe he's not so good. Maybe it won't be well. Maybe we'll have a problem. Who said, the children will be healthy? These are all normal fears that everyone's got. And our goal is 
to be able to learn to ride those waves and to be able to continue the process. Okay, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Mordechai, yeah. thank you. Uh, I have a question that uh, one of the listeners asked, doesn't want to be on air. It's a teenager's question that uh, his friend is doing a really, really stupid things and uh, going away total. But the problem that the guy feeling very bad about his friend and he doesn't know, uh, he feel like... Uh, no, blame himself on the issue. And the, the, the other friend that doing the stupid things that if you don't answer me, I'm going, I'm going to commit suicide, I'm going to do this, I'm going to all this stuff. Put the pressure on the person very, very strong. What do you advise for these teenagers to do? Okay, so we get this question a lot. Yes. And what I would like our teenagers, those of you teenagers that are listening, and for those of us that are parents that have teenagers, to recognize if your teenager starts telling you these words, I have a friend, they're, ta- they're consuming me, especially by the girls. None of the boys don't have it, but the girls, they finish school a lot earlier, and they have sometimes a friend that can take two, three hours of their time every day, not once a week, and they're needy, and then here they have to study with them, here they have to go out with them, and if you find that your daughter has any other friends, and they start going, oh, you have other friends, you don't care about me, where's your heart? It's our job as parents and as teenagers, I'd like you to understand this. You need to know what your job is. The Rabbi Shalom tells it to us continuously in the Torah, especially when it says in the Sarasadibras that we learn out that we have Kabbalah Savicha Vesimacha, and right after that we have the mitzvah of Shabbos. And Rashi, the, Rashi brings on the Gemara that says that Rabbi Shalom is teaching us if a parent tells us to be Machal Shabbos, we do not listen to them because both of us and the parents are our mechuyev in the mitzvahs of Shabbos, which means we need to realize there are roles and hierarchies that we need to do. Teenagers, if you're in a situation that's too much and the person will then unfortunately threaten suicide or something along those lines, it's out of your role for you to do. Don't try to do it. Get help. And if that teenager and if that kid says, but I'll kill myself, you're not I will tell you, they will not do it because you didn't speak. And just the opposite, sometimes by you still speaking, you are making it worse. Many times, and so many of my clients can unfortunately attest to that, that they come to me after they've been by other therapists, and I can be a lot more assertive. And then they go, usually the first session, I thought you're so nice, like on the radio. I go, you need me right now to be your assertive therapist. And then things change from there, not that cuddly mushy. You need to understand what's needed. And therefore, don't do the jobs that you're not capable of doing for Keret HaSashalm. It can hurt you, and it can damage you. And parents, make sure you take care of your kids and the person. There's got to be balance. You are not equipped to deal. If someone's using this saying, if you don't take care of me, or you don't help me, I'll commit suicide, that's the first rule. Run to your parents right away and let your parents speak to the school or to professionals. Thank you for the program Harvnison for another wonderful amazing week thank you all our listeners and our callers for calling in greatly appreciated it thank you thank you Mordechai and I really appreciate the program I'm really sorry I was a little bit overwhelmed but uh, that's life thank you Ah, that's everyone Amen